I don't think we Methodists are very good talking about sexuality. I blame it on John Wesley. I do. John Wesley was the founder of the Methodist movement within the Anglican Church in the 1700s. This reform movement grew beyond his control and became this denomination that later became the United Methodist Church. So a little history on John Wesley to get our family system in place. John Wesley was a missionary in Georgia when it was a colony. And when he was over here, he made an awkward marriage proposal to a woman named Sophie Hopkins. She rejected him. She rebuffed him. The next time that she came to worship and came to receive the sacrament of communion, he refused to serve her the sacrament of communion. Her dad was a, an important official in Georgia and uh, started leaning on John Wesley. He found it convenient to go back to England after that. So I'm not making that story up. So he, it was later on in his life, much later when he was an older man, he had a pretty severe illness and one of the few times that he actually took uh, comfort and refuge and was resting up, getting healed. And there was a widow, and I forget her name, but uh, she took care of him. She tended him. They got married. They stayed together one night. I am not making this up either. He left, and I don't think he referred to her again. When she died, he didn't even know about it. These are the examples we Methodists get when it comes to relationships between males and females. Those early Methodist circuit riders were usually young men, single, they were sent out, and they usually were burned out by their late 20s or early 30s, and I'm not making that up either. So again, we don't have a great history when it comes to talking about human sexuality. I grew up in the Methodist church in the panhandle of Texas, Littlefield is my hometown, and unfortunately, I didn't get a whole lot from my family or my church when I was growing up. So when I became a pastor, there was a curriculum that the United Methodist Church was developing. And since 1980, I have been involved in teaching human sexuality. And I have literally taught hundreds, maybe thousands of children, youth, and adults about human sexuality over these last 35 years. And I'm still scared to death when I come out here and talk to you about it just because of my systems, right? My family and upbringing and all. So if you see me sweat today, that's, that's the reason why, okay? And I usually don't have a manuscript. I have a manuscript here today to help me along. Uh, I figure I'm overcompensating for what I did not get, all right? Um, I want to tell you the viewpoint that I come from in this message this day, and it's that verse that Sam was referring to in the children's time. I do this over and over again when I teach human sexuality. This is a key verse from the book of our beginnings. So God created humankind in God's own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And as, God, uh, as, as Sam said, what God said here, when God created us, God said about us, good, good. There is no word for very in Hebrew. So when we say God created us very good, in Hebrew it literally says, good, good. That's what God says about you, whoever you are, male, female. Um, I need to move on. I'm going to go through some Bible, and uh, later on I'm going to get to some personal statements, uh, not just from me, but from other people, and tell you where I come out on all of this. 
I need to tell you that the Bible is very open when it comes to talking about human sexuality. There is a lot in there. Uh, you're going to be a little bit shocked at some research I did this past week because I hadn't done this piece until this last week. In the Old Testament, there is no word for marriage. Blew me away. There is no word for husband or wife. You won't find it there. Yes, there are marriages and there are husbands and wives, but you won't find those words in Hebrew. Some of my pastor friends and I, as we've been st struggling around these issues, especially in the light of some decisions lately, some of my pastor friends said, there's a better case for polygamy in the Old Testament than there is for about anything else. Can, can I get an amen? Can I get, no, no. So, <laughs> so. And actually, when I looked that up, said, no, that's not true. The actual word is polygamy, and I'm hoping I pronounce that right. It is males who took multiple wives. There is not an example of a woman who took multiple husbands. <laughs> a lot of wisdom there. Okay, so, but you can look at it. I mean, I'm trying to keep this light. Okay, so, uh, so there's Abraham, Jacob, Gideon, David, Solomon, and many other males who had multiple wives in the Old Testament. Um, there's all kinds of sexual behavior. There's prostitution, adultery, abuse, Liberite marriage. That's where a woman whose husband dies, she is passed on to the next uh, older brother of, of the one who died. Um, there's really racy poetry. If you want to read the R-rated portion of the Bible, look up the Song of Solomon. It's also called the Song of Songs. Ooh, hot stuff, man. It's, it is. It's really good. So... Uh, <laughs> I, it's the Bible, okay? It's, it's all there. In, in the New Testament, so at, this is around the ministry of Jesus in the start of the church. Jesus' first miracle in John's gospel is a wedding in Cana of Galilee. And marriage is assumed to be the cornerstone of the household in the New Testament. In fact, the image of Christ in the church is that of marriage. That kind of intimacy is what's used in the New Testament. So you've come here today... You just walked in, and I'm here to tell you that this is the third sermon in a series of sermons this summer on sensitive subjects. So say that really fast, all those S words together. And I knew that I'd be preaching on this subject a long, long time ago because I knew that there was a Supreme Court decision that was going to be happening this summer. So I have done a lot of research, a lot of preparation in order to be ready for this day. Two weeks ago, I told you that I was pleased with that Supreme Court decision. I'm going to talk more about that today. I do want you to know that I want to be your pastor, no matter where you fall, whether you agree with me or not. Um, what I'm trying to do is to take a strong position so that you can find out where you stand, all right? And we can talk about it. That's the, the sermon series. Can we talk, right? So I'm hoping that this is a safe place for us to do that within this sanctuary. How we treat persons of different sexual orientations is one of the most contentious issues in the United States and in the church today. Can I get an amen? Huh? Right. I mean, it's, so that's why I'm trying to do this subject today. Some of you reacted to the Supreme Court decision with sadness or anger and not out of hatred, I feel, but maybe you saw it as an overreach of the court. They went too far. 
Maybe you saw it as an example of society ignoring what you hold to be God's clear commandments, especially as revealed in the Bible. Or you see it as a sacred institution, marriage, that has been redefined contrary to God's will. I want to give you some ammunition for your position. I want to let you know that I can do this. So I have some scriptures for you on this slide here. If you want to uh, go to the Bible and find uh, ammunition for uh, saying, boy, I'm uncomfortable with homosexuality. I don't think that's against, uh, I think that is against God's will. Then you do need to look up these passages. I did all of them again this past week. I've done this many times in the past. But those passages from Leviticus are really severe. Um, they are part of the holiness code in the Old Testament where the Hebrew people were really trying to separate themselves from the rest of the culture. Uh, Romans passage, I think, is your strongest passage if you want to take this position. 1 Corinthians uh, and the 1 Timothy letters of Paul, uh, he has uh, homosexuality in a list of uh, things that are, are sins, he calls them. Please understand that there is no word for homosexuality in the Bible. It's just not there. In fact, it didn't exist in the English language until the year 1892, where we find it in the Oxford English Dictionary. Jesus is silent on this subject, too, just to let you know. Oh, those other Old Testament passages, Genesis 19 and Judges 19, are more about sexual abuse. Um, so go do your homework. This will all be on my blog uh, at the website. You can take a picture of it with your phone. I'm happy to, again, talk with you about this later. So... There's, there's one position. Um, the other position, the one that I take, and that is I rejoice. <laughs> I think this decision was long overdue. I think it is a victory for civil and human rights. And my suspicion is that many of you know someone who is of a different sexual orientation that they are not straight, they are not heterosexual, they, you know, they, they have some other sexual orientation. I know, I've shared this with you before, that my brother David was gay. It's going to be a family member for you, it's a friend, a co-worker, a neighbor, it's someone you know. And you're celebrating this decision, you're grateful for the affirmation of dignity that the Supreme Court came up with. Uh, please know that I lean into that uh, Mark passage, that overarching understanding of what is God's will for us, and that is to love God and to love neighbor. It's, it's that simple and basic for me, not to get caught up in a lot of blaming and making people wrong, but to try to see how much love we can share instead of how many people we can make wrong. Uh, some of you are here today, you just wandered in and you say, uh, Boy, I, I wish I knew that this topic was coming today, and I'm so glad I'm sitting near an aisle. And uh, so, Mabel, when I give you that look, you know the look that I'm talking about, and uh, that means it's time for us to leave today. So, but here's the thing. Boy, sexuality in the headlines, in the news media, you cannot escape it. I don't care what your age is, where you are. Am I right? I mean, it's, we're just inundated with sexual messages all the time. Here are some of the things that were coming to me as I was preparing for this sermon, the world we live in. Let's see, Bruce Jenner is now Caitlyn Jenner, right, uh, transgender kind of thing. Um, 
This morning, I opened my paper, and there in section B, uh, uh, there's a column about Leslie, Leslie Cochran, our own icon here, right? With the thong and the cowboy boots and stuff, and just, right? I mean, just kind of, what? Stilettos. Stilettos, okay, right, yeah, thank you, yes, okay. I never looked, really, <laughs> that closely, but uh, thank you for sharing. <laughs> so, uh, Boy Scouts of America in the paper, uh, for years, no... Uh, Persons who were gay were allowed to be members of scout troops. That They just allowed that in the last little bit. And then this past week, I read, and, uh, oh, scout leaders. They're now accepting gay scout leaders. Unit by unit basis, right? Because there are some units that are sponsored by churches that would never allow that. Um, Girl Scouts of America, I have some friends who are real high up in that uh, organization. This has never been an issue for them, just to let you know. Just, I'm just saying, okay? Um, some comments from other people as uh, we get gotten these sexual messages. There's a gay person that I asked about the Supreme Court decision, and this gay person said, God made me gay. It's my cross to bear. I believe in what the Bible says, and therefore I'm celibate. It's not that hard. This life on earth is a mere breath. I don't do it alone, but with the help of the Holy Spirit. Not the answer I expected. I've taught human sexuality a lot of times. There's a young woman who's about to get married. Uh, I taught her the senior high version, and she's getting married to another young woman. Not in this state, another state. But um, this summer, she's going to be married to another young woman. There's a youth that I taught and created by God who later went through confirmation classes. And this youth in confirmation classes sat in my office and was able to tell me, and I was so glad about this, I'm gay. And I so appreciated that level of trust that this youth had and that I could embrace that youth and say, you're welcome here. God bless you. God loved you. I loved you. There's a grandmother who came up to me recently and said, my grandson's gay. And I want to love my grandson, and I do. But I'm not sure about this marriage thing to another male. I, I'm just real uncomfortable with that. I, always, I still have this idea in my head that marriage is about one man and one, one woman together. I have pastor friends, we struggle with this, and there are people in our churches, and some people say, we're not going fast enough, and some people say, you're going too fast, and it's so hard to hold it all together um, at this day and age, and people are taking sides, and in the Methodist church, there's the good news movement, which is that we're going too fast, and there's the Reconciling Ministries Network, which says, we're not going fast enough. And you need to know that in this church, there is but one Sunday school class, the Journeys class, which is a Reconciling Ministries Network affiliated class, which says we fully embrace everybody, no matter what their sexual orientation is. There are other United Methodist churches here in the area that have become fully reconciling. That means they're affiliated with this, this network. 
Uh, Trinity United Methodist Church is the bellwether there. They have done this for decades of taking this radical, inclusive stance. Uh, more recently, there's been First United Methodist Church downtown and University United Methodist Church and, and St. Luke's and, and church that I've served twice, St. John's United Methodist Church here in Austin. And you know what's happening in some of those churches? Um, there's some people that say, now what? Can't, can't we just be church? Can't we, can't we, you know, we've come here not just for this issue. We want to worship. <laughs> you know, we want to pray. We want to sing praises to God. We, we want to be in mission. We want to teach. And, and you see, there's a lot more going on than, than just this issue. I'll get to that in my closing statements in just a moment. I did the research this past week. Almost every denomination is struggling with this issue. Our Presbyterian friends, Episcopal friends, Lutheran friends, I mean, you just go down the line, and uh, some people talk about a church split along this line. I pray not. I pray that we can continue the conversation. Can we talk? You need to know, again, Methodists, we're very uncomfortable talking about this, and here are some statements that you find in our book of discipline. It's this thick book by which we're supposed to orient ourselves. I, we vote on it every four years in something called a general conference. So some of the language we find there. On one side, we say the practice of homosexuality is incompatible with Christian teaching. On the other side, we say we affirm that all persons are individuals of sacred worth created in the image of God. All persons need the ministry of the church in their struggles for human fulfillment. We affirm that God's grace is available to all. We will seek to live together in Christian community, welcoming, forgiving, loving one another as Christ has loved and accepted us. We implore families and churches not to reject or condemn lesbian or gay members and friends. We commit ourselves to be a ministry for and with all persons. You need to know that as a United Methodist, um, we do not ordain self-avowed practicing homosexuals. I've been on the board of ordinary ministry 16 years and continue to serve in roles that uh, qualify candidates. We United Methodist pastors cannot perform marriages for gay persons. If, if I were to do that, I would come up for trial and my orders could be pulled. That means I would no longer be able to be a United Methodist pastor. Our bishop has sent us a letter recently in light of the Supreme Court decision that said, we pastors may engage in premarital counseling, attend worship services where gay persons are married. We can read scriptures, we can pray, we can preach. But that's the limit right now. I love what our conference lay leader uh, wrote in our conference paper. So Methodists are in regions, and uh, he said about this decision, is this a battleground or a mission field? You see where I stand. I see this as a mission field. Hey, y'all come in. We welcome you. This is a place where you can grow your soul. We love you here. I lean very much on the Reconciling Ministry Network side. I will continue to teach about human sexuality because there's such a lack of knowledge. We're so uncomfortable with this subject, and I will continue to do this probably uh, until I die. So here's my great quote from Walter Brueggemann. Walter Brueggemann is this Old Testament scholar. You can't do much better than him. And I heard this quote uh, on a Sunday morning uh, on the NPR. It's a show on, uh, on Belief or something like that. On, on Being. On Being is the name of the show. And Walter Brueggemann said this. It, he said, It seems to me that mainline denominations like the United Methodist Church have taken all of their anxiety and they've placed it upon one issue. 
in order to ignore other issues. Man, did that ring true for me. You know, we, oh, we don't have to deal with racism, which I preached about last week. We don't have to deal with poverty. It, it, fill in the blank what is your issue because we can put all of our energy into this one issue and avoid these other issues. I think that makes so much sense. The good news I have to share with you this day is that the church is a place where we can talk and we can be community and we can talk about all of those issues, including this one, but not just this one. I read an article this past week where a pastor said it very well, for better, for worse, <laughs> for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish. That's what we're about. That's the good news I have to share this day. Amen.